This is episode two of Politics and Porn Star Martinis with Brooke Walton and Luke Clements. We're discussing conservatism and how Boris has handled the pandemic. Hi, I'm Luke. I study politics and international relations at the University of Exeter. Okay, right. Thanks for joining me. I'm just going to jump right in and um, ask my first question. So why do you support the Conservative Party and is Boris's leadership one that you expected when you voted for him? Uh, So with the first part of that question, why do I support the Conservative Party? Um, I I describe myself as a liberal conservative, so I could be happy voting for a more centrist party like the Lib Dems, but obviously in our two-party system, pretty much since... World War Two, I think it's only been Conservative and Labour governments, apart from the coalition in 2010. Yeah. Um, so uh, for me, the Conservative economic doctrine is one I relate to better than the Labour one, and other parties don't really have a chance of, of winning. So I, I prefer the economic side of Conservatism to what Labour might offer, sort of the more creation of of wealth to a greater degree and sort of competition um i find that less intervention in the economy often uh, drives people on more to uh do better in some ways um but yeah the main reason is i i feel like i can get behind the economic factors of what the conservative party are for rather than the labor party essentially and um, and has Boris's leadership been one that I expected? Um, I would say no, but I think given the circumstances, I think it was always going to be hard to predict what was going to come about with COVID-19. Um, the Conservative government has acted very unpredictably. Un- unpredictably. Um, obviously, they've put a great deal of money into the economy, more like a um, a, a Labour government might, um, but obviously it needed to happen given the circumstances. Um, so I think due to coronavirus, it has been very not what I expected. Okay, with yeah. um, staying on track with the coronavirus, um, yeah. I wanted to mention a few things about how you know Britain as a country has handled the pandemic. Um, to start, I wanted to talk about Matt Hancock, um, who obviously is the Health Secretary. So. He set himself a target of 100,000 COVID tests per day by the end of April. Um, So he he achieved that. He called it a national achievement. But he, I mean, I personally would say he did fizzle the figures. I don't know what your opinion is because he included 40,000 tests. Um, These were posted to people, but they hadn't actually been returned. So without that 40,000, he wouldn't have reached his target. Um, would you agree or do you think he was right in um, calling this an achievement? Um, I think obviously it was a monumental task for any government to undertake given the sort of uh, how bad this pandemic has been. Um, But I would say he did sort of make the facts and figures seem more favourable than they might have actually been. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I also think, personally, there was a delay in closing down schools. Um, I think 
this was um, part of like the inadequate British response to the pandemic. I think our government waited so much longer than other countries before calling to shut down restaurants, pubs, shops, and to actually enforce the widespread lockdown. I think his administration failed in its attempt to test the population and actually track the spread of the virus. Um, I know, you know, some people have argued that he didn't take the virus seriously until, you know, it was too late. And he came out and actually, you know, boasted about shaking hands with coronavirus patients and then he caught the virus. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, like, in my opinion, I think we definitely had enough time to stop the virus, you know, from reaching the potential that it did. And I think that Boris definitely did waste, waste that. Um, he also missed an opportunity in February to stock up on vital equipment. Um, when obviously the virus was less fierce and he also missed five COBRA meetings. Um, he has, has, you know, prime ministers don't obviously go to every single COBRA meeting, but when there's talk of a pandemic, I think it was his duty to actually show up and um, be there. And maybe if he did, then he would have um, been told like about, you know, this virus and that he should have done it sooner than he did. Um, even though it was known that the infection was spreading unchecked in you know throughout people's communities, it was still more than a week before they actually shut pubs and schools, and eleven days before the full lockdown was actually established. Um, mm. As well as this, I think you know the introduction of masks. I know is it the twenty fifth of July, maybe? Well, the end of July, they want um, you know compulsory masks in shops, and I think it's very late like this virus was in February January we locked down in March and now it's the end of July and you want to bring in compulsory you know wearing masks I just think that the handling of the pandemic was shocking and also very unclear at the start people you know didn't really know what they were allowed to do so how do you think Boris handled the coronavirus pandemic and do you think he could have done more? Um, I think as I said earlier, I think obviously it was a monumental task. I think as a country, we weren't prepared. So I think it would have been tough for any government. Um, but I do think Boris and his government were were very slow off the mark in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, if you look at sort of at the end of May, we had about 38,000 deaths. And it wasn't until early June that we were actually putting in the two-week quarantine for people flying into the country. Yeah. So that's something that should have been done so much earlier. Um, and if you look at somewhere like New Zealand, who always had great success combating it, they introduced a two-week quarantine for travellers, I think, back in March. So mm -hmm. that shows that like, uh, Boris was, in quite a lot of aspects, very slow off the mark. Um, yeah, I think they, sh they should have implemented the lockdown earlier. I think, obviously, it's, it's a tricky call to make, if you were to argue the other side, like, if it if you call the lockdown it can have detrimental and a hugely detrimental impact on the economy and if it turned out not to be needed as badly as as thought then it could have could have, could have a big backlash but obviously it was more than needed and we needed it sooner so i understand why you might have been hesitant but obviously as you say missing meetings um doesn't exactly seem like he was invested in it as much as it should have been and I don't think the government took it as seriously as it needed to be taken early on yeah definitely um, 
and yeah, with with stuff like masks, I think it's almost just sort of for show at the moment. Like, obviously, it will have an effect, but it should have been in place a long time ago. So, I think they should have been much firmer on issues like that from the start. Yeah, but I would say his handling of the lockdown has been been poor. Um, keeping with the topic of Corona, I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, the Dominic Cumming situation. So um, for some background information, um, Dominic Cumming's partner, Mary Wakefield, was infected with corona and obviously he knew that it was a high likelihood he would also become unwell. Um, So he said it was essential for him to ensure his child was properly cared for at this time Um, and his sisters and nieces volunteered to help out and so he made a trip from London to Durham which is 264 miles to stay in a house on his family's estate, which including his elderly parents. Um, it wasn't like shown, wasn't said if you know they came into contact, but they were staying in the same area. And he arrived in Durham on or before the 31st of March, to which then they had the fifth highest peak of any local authority in England. And, you know, he was aware that by making this journey, he was spreading the virus and going against the rules that he himself helped to write. Like, he, people have come out and said, you know, um, if he needed, his child needed care, he did what he had to do. But he is a top 1% earner in the UK. Um, he has relatives living in London in the same area that he lives in, including his partner's brother. And somehow, you know, they were not able to make arrangements without travelling that distance. I find that very hard to believe um Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock said he was doing what was best for the child but you know at this time the 31st of March it was you know we'd been sent home from uni on the 15th around the 15th and you know we it was very new it was just the start of the pandemic for us and people were scared and we were told to stay at home we couldn't travel to see you know friends or family especially if we had symptoms and you know his wife did or partner did um and there's been thousands of people in their exact situation you know parents who have had symptoms and haven't been able to leave the house and have had to look after their child couldn't afford childcare, and I just think you know it's one rule for them and one rule for the rest of the population I mean he you know he made the rules I don't think it's fair that then he is seen to break them and then the government, you know, back back him up and say, you know, oh, he was doing what was best for his family. But at the time, you know, we were made to feel that we couldn't do the best for our families if we were in that situation and we had to stay put. So do you agree with Boris when he said that Dominic Cummings didn't break the lockdown rules? Um, no, I think... If you look at the rules, they say one thing and Dominic Cummings did do another. Um, I think, I mean, I, I understand when it comes to loved ones, it's obviously a hard choice to make. And he was probably under a great deal of pressure, but that doesn't mean, but obviously he's, he's like, he's on show, he's behind the making of the rules. If he breaks the rules, it might make others think that they can break the rules. And that can then lead to greater spreading of coronavirus, which is obviously, um, not not what the government's looking for and so yeah I do I do think he he broke the rules I don't I don't believe he did it out of a sort of belief that oh I'm above the rules I think 
I think when he was in that situation, he acted sort of just on an impulse on what he thought was best for his child. But I don't think it excuses him from having broken the rules. Like as a sort of senior advisor, he's very much on display. He's kind of in some ways the technician of Boris's government, of his success. And for him to obviously travel all that way with with coronavirus, it it does show that the rules were flouted. And I think Boris backing him was quite well, I think quite largely political. I was I was thinking like if Keir Starmer had done what Dominic Cummings did, Cummings did, um I think it's pretty obvious that Boris would have chastised him for it and made a big deal out of it, I think. So yeah, definitely. I do I do think it was um uh, politically motivated. I, 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 I think I should also say that I think the way the media sort of swarmed him uh, coming out of his home was equally, not maybe not equally bad, but still breaking the rules. Like if one of them had had coronavirus, then potentially all of them could have got coronavirus again. Yeah. So I, I think that should be taken into account. But I think at the end of the day, he, he did break the rules and I think Boris was wrong to support him. Yeah, definitely. Um, with what you said about, um, you know, if Starmer was to uh, make that distance, I think definitely like the media would, would have definitely spun it uh, even worse than they did with Cummings. Um, on, you know, that kind of line, um, I have a few comments that Boris made over the years. Um, I'm going to read them out. I think, you know, especially if we're relating this to Trump, the, you know, the right-wing politics or politicians they have a way of getting away with saying things that I feel like the left would be you know hounded for and obliterated for um so I'm just going to read them out so in 2002 he labeled black Africans as pickaninnies with watermelon smiles in 2018 um he was reported to the Equalities Commission after comparing Muslim women who wear burkas to letterboxes and bank robbers. Um, in 1996, um, when he was a journalist for The Telegraph, he went to the Labour conference and wrote a piece reviewing the quality of the hot totty who were present and advised his successor to just pat her on the bottom and send her on her way. Um, he said that it was right that Tories would wish its leadership to speak up more strongly against gays in the military. So he's made a lot of sexist, homophobic and racist comments. And he's our prime minister. I think it's the same as Trump. Um, mm. He's made these comments that, are, I mean, they're not okay at all. And I think it gives, you know, people who have these views a platform to, you know, speak up. I was talking about this with Marley. You know, if yeah. Boris wasn't saying these comments, would there be as many people, you know, shouting racist hatred, being sexist, homophobic, transphobic? I think definitely having a prime minister that has said these things does give people the platform. So I just wanted to ask, you know, obviously, I don't think you would agree with these statements, but right. Boris has said them. So how do you think he gets away with saying these things? and? You know, how do you um, justify voting for him when um, he has said these comments? And I know, you know, that doesn't, you know, just because you vote for Boris doesn't make you racist. But there is, yeah. you know, that part where you have voted for someone that um, gets away with saying these things. So 
what is your perspective on this? Um, well, I think um, I'm more of a, a, a liberal conservative, and I think in recent years the Conservative Party, especially under people like David Cameron, came a long way from distancing itself from its um, its bad past on such issues as racism, sexism, homophobia. Um, and I think Boris Johnson is a huge step backwards for the Conservative Party. I think he's old-fashioned uh, in his views, um, as a lot of those comments show. So I, I, I've never been a fan of, of Boris. I wanted uh, Jeremy Hunt to win the uh, Conservative leadership. Um, but I think at the, at the election, we weren't exactly blessed for choice. I mean, uh, the Labour Party was obviously dogged by uh, anti-Semitic uh, claims about anti-Semitism. Um, so we weren't, we weren't sort of blessed with great choices. Um, but obviously in our, in our political system, we elect an MP rather than directly voting for a prime minister. Um, yeah. So in my constituency, it's very unlikely that the Lib Dems would win. It was always going to be between the two main parties, as is with most of the country. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, it was voting for someone I didn't like or voting for someone I didn't like and who I thought would ruin the country. So it was more kind of choosing the least worst option, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, obviously he, he should be held to account for a lot of what he said. I think potentially the reason he got away with some of it is because he wasn't, obviously it was his time as a journalist when he said some of these things, he might have got under the radar a bit. Uh, or maybe when he was mayor of London, he wasn't in Parliament. Perhaps he was able to sort of get away from the the spotlight on some of these issues. Um, and equally, he might be uh, could dodge the issues. So, like obviously, his comments about um, watermelon smiles is absolutely unacceptable. But he might just get away with it because he's sort of when he said them, he's been well under the radar as a journalist. I guess. Yeah. Um, do you think that, obviously, with Keir Starmer as the leader of the Labour Party, um, personally, I think that's given Labour a very strong opposition to the Conservatives. Um, do you think people that voted for the Conservatives this election, um, out of spite because Corbyn was the leader, um, would now think about voting for the Labour Party because of Keir Starmer? Or do you think... Um, Boris's time as Prime Minister, even though it's a short time um, already, but do you think the way he's run the country so far um, is making people question his you know, leadership, his, the Conservative Party as a whole? Do you think that you know, people like yourself that kind of uh, would vote for the Liberal Democrats are on the fence, uh, Liberal Conservatives, do you think these kind of, of people are now looking towards the Labour Party? Um, I was interestingly speaking to my dad about this the other day and he's a, he's a lifelong Conservative voter and he's only ever voted for the Conservative Party but if there was an election right now he said that he would, he would vote for Keir Starmer um, which I think shows just how much Boris is sort of messing things up and how unpopular he is um, and, and I, I sort of agree I don't think I would I would be very hard pressed to vote vote for Boris. Um, 
whether it comes to voting for Keir Starmer, I think he, from what I've seen, he seems like a, a good guy. Uh, I would need to know more about him. I'd need to see a manifesto at the election, of course. Um, but equally, I think a lot of sort of moderate conservatives have been put off by Boris. So I think I think parties like the Liberal Democrats could see a, a, a rise of popularity. So dependent on on things like the polls are suggesting, I, I would probably be between voting for the Lib Dems or Labour. At, at this current stage, yeah. Yeah, um, that is interesting. Yeah, and uh, with what, coming back to what you said about a strong opposition, um, I think Keir Starmer has, has done a good job. He's, he's shifted the party into a, I, well, from my sense of it, a more sort of popular light. Um, yeah. But I, I think it would always be hard to be a, a especially in, in more normal times, especially, but uh, I think it would be hard to be a strong opposition against just based on the numbers, because given uh, Boris, Boris Johnson's quite large victory in the election in 2019, uh, on, on the numbers front, it would always be hard for them to be a strong opposition, which, which isn't a good thing. A strong opposition is necessary for Parliament to function properly. But I think given the um, sort of unprecedented times of COVID-19, I think they've actually been able to become far stronger. I think the government has lost a degree of authority and certainly popularity. And um, I think Keir Starmer looks quite an appealing option. And if he can uh, sort of channel that popularity that he might have, he might be able to um, be stronger than the numbers alone suggest, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah I do think, I mean, from my, my opinion, is I think Boris has come into uh, power and just messed up I think obviously the pandemic isn't you know not something that a prime minister is going to be prepared for but I think there were steps that he could have taken I mean obviously this is all in hindsight you know I'm not running the country and you know he didn't know what was going to happen but at the same time you know when you look back there's definitely a lot of things that he should have done differently um especially you know with you know Dominic Cummings he just you know let it pass um, when other people, you know, from the top of, top of my head, I can't think of their names, but I definitely know that you know people were uh, made to resign for breaking lockdown rules. Um, definitely with uh, Starmer, Rebecca Long Bailey was uh, sacked from the shadow cabinet for uh, sharing that Twitter mm-hmm. article yeah. of yeah of anti-Semitism, and I think that was really like it just showed his leadership that he was in control of his party. And I definitely think that that's something that Boris like has lacked, you know, through his time as Prime Minister. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, people on the border uh, will start to look at Starmer as, you know, a, a good leader and, you know, someone that could, you know, maybe uh, run the country. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, as, as I was saying, I mean, my, my dad have always sort of, be more inclined to the Conservatives, and it, it's Boris Johnson that really sort of you know makes makes you your sort of skin crawl and not want to <laughs> not want to vote Conservative. So I I agree with you there. I was thinking, yeah. as a young Conservative, have you, you know, do you face like you know hate comments or you know people you know being horrible to you that you know aren't your friends that aren't joking people that actually you know, have judged you just for, you know, voting Conservative because, 
you know, you are quite open about it. I think, you know, a few people know that you vote Conservative. Do you feel like you've ever had to, like, pretend or, you know, hide uh, what party that you align with? Um, I mean, whenever you make your jokes, I do get really upset. <laughs> um, I know what you mean. Obviously, um, generally, quite often younger people don't vote Conservative. Um, I don't know. I feel like what bothers most people, what I feel bothers most people about the Conservative Party is potentially their historical view of being strict from social issues like homosexuality, for example, or racism or sexism or something like that. Um, but obviously I I feel that the, the brand of conservatism, because it's quite a broad church, the brand of conservatism that I personally um, attribute myself to is, is, isn't like that. So I, I, there are times when I wouldn't sort of shout from the rooftops I'm a conservative, but I've, I've never felt sort of judged or I don't feel like you necessarily view me as a worse person. For, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, but it, it's an interesting point. Yeah, there are times when I wouldn't sort of be super vocal about it necessarily, but when it sort of came to it, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't say I'm not a conservative if asked, I think. I can't find the last clip of mine and Luke's conversation, but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's listened and thank you to Luke for answering my questions.